Hello and welcome to Dear Patriarchy Podcast. This is the Gaslit Woman Guide. Gaslit Woman Guide. This is the Gaslit Woman's Guide to Conquering the Corporate World, where just two sisters armed with facts and statistics, destigmatizing the plight of the working woman. My name is Lisa. And I'm Jennifer. Welcome to this, our first in-person podcast. Together now. Together forever. So here we are, ready to talk mm-hmm. about toxic masculinity. This is going to be creepy just staring at your face while I, I talk. Know, but it's nice. <laughs> so Oh my gosh. So, we recently went to a theme park together with all of the chillins, and we were talking about how sweet our boys are. We had kind of a, a rough entry into the park. It's so rough. And ended up with us talking about toxic masculinity and how boys are so sweet and... They start off so sweet. And joyful yeah. and loving and... You know, my youngest is my my first son-ish, and there's a very big difference in boys and girls. And people had told me, maybe that's perceived, maybe that's problematic to, to think that way. To think what? That there's a big difference between the way boys and girls are wired. But that's what we get told. I know, that's interesting. So talk about it. I'm talking about it. So it plays into toxic masculinity because you expect different things from boys and girls. Why don't you 100%. expect the same thing? And I am, and I feel like my partner is not harsher at all. He's not like, harsh with that baby. He plays a little bit, he plays in a different way with the baby mm-hmm. than he does with the girls. And but the baby also plays differently than the girls did. Okay. So anyway, it's all... Very confusing. We were talking about how sweet boys are and when they're little. And, and what happens. they are. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yeah. they're expected to be these hard, macho representations of themselves. Um, and we talk about we talk about toxic masculinity sometimes. We've, we've definitely mentioned it in other episodes. But I feel like whenever we talk about toxic masculinity, we always get a lot of pushback. From men, and actually from men and women, um, because I think that there is a misunderstanding about what toxic masculinity is, hmm. and it's not an insult really to anyone. It's an insult, just like everything. You're talking about a systemic problem. A systemic problem. It's not one person. That is a major stumbling block for well, men. It's just very dangerous for men. It and is. I think especially when we try to talk about the problems and the roots of violence towards women, Mm. we come back again and again to toxic masculinity. And I don't think it's a widely understood thing what that actually means. Because then people come back with the argument, well, there's toxic people on both sides. But but that is absolutely 100% missing the point. Yeah, and I just have to say that there are people that say toxic masculinity and toxic femininity are both bad. What even is toxic femininity? Like when you're too much. Like when you're too much pink? When you're too sparkly. Um, No, it's a power. There's a power structure thing, right? So when it's, it's not on the same level as when people say talk about racism and reverse racism but the ideology between the two is basically the same there's a power dynamic going on 
in toxic masculinity, just as there is in racism, in which all of the power in racism is centered on white people and all of the power in toxic masculinity is centered on men. So that that power dynamic negates there being, you, you cannot actually be reverse racist. You can be prejudiced for sure mm-hmm. against someone who's white, but you can't be racist against them because that, that intimates a power dynamic. So we're talking about toxic masculinity. When someone says about toxic femininity, there, there isn't that power dynamic there. So you cannot flip that coin and say they're just as bad as each other. Women are disproportionately killed by men. Women are disproportionately raped by men. Women are disproportionately acted upon in a violent manner by men. Therefore, toxic masculinity is the systemic issue that we're looking at and Mm -hmm. we're dealing with. So anything, any any other lead down the toxic femininity route... Show me when 93% of, or it's 98%, 93 or 98% of men are raped by women, and then we'll have a conversation. Show me when you have one in three women, when one in three men globally being either sexually assaulted or having some kind of instance of violence perpetrated against them by women. Women. Yes. Then we can talk about toxic femininity. Yeah. But we're not talking about the same thing. So can to I do just, anything else is a massive detour on a very important conversation. But can I just really quick? I had never heard toxic femininity. No, oh, it's disgusting. I mean, I heard it's it like, thrown out. back as like whatever. But it's a very interesting actually. So I just found an article called Toxic Femininity, the Femininity. I missed an N in there. Toxic Femininity, the underaddressed gender gender calamity. Oh, that's a tongue twister. So this paragraph is kind of down the page a little bit. So it's not the intro, but I thought it was an interesting way to, it helped me understand quickly because I hadn't heard it before. So to address toxic femininity in the same light as toxic masculinity, viewing the inflexible definition of femininity enforced through societal expectations is necessary. Pushing females towards submissive roles Dismissing male aggression and overemphasizing appearance are some of the many ways in which society forces women to meet more feminine expectations. Results of such practices may include the development of mental illness, discouragement in pursuing power positions, passive personality traits, and reinforcement of toxic masculine beliefs to one's children. However, its results may also occur in a more sinister manner, male hatred, self-undervaluation, and over-sexualization. Is that paragraph super problematic? Yeah. Was that written by a man? I'm not sure. The author's name is Haven Wang. I'm perplexed by that. So in Haven Wang's opinion, toxic femininity is actually an underlying symptom of toxic masculinity. Okay, let me read a different definition. Right. the dictionary... What dictionary? Dictionary.com. Okay. Often the specific terminology of toxic femininity Texas femininity. Often the specific terminology of toxic femininity when used to feminist ends. When used oh, to feminist ends. I just got to tell you right there what you're reading. <laughs> it ain't unbiased. Oh my god. Denny stumbled on a little anti fem wormhole. So it's interesting to me that every link I click on is incredibly problematic and sexist. When trying to understand what toxic femininity is. I need you to know that toxic femininity is a construct of fragile men. 
Okay, but here's the thing. Femininity is essentially a way for women to sabotage others by using her traditional, traditionally feminine qualities. What? Just slap a tit on your desk. I'm in the office with my titties. I'm gonna get you with my bitties. It's not. Jenny, because you're, fa- you're, you're falling down a wormhole. I think it's very interesting that the idea... Okay, so here's another one. The idea of toxic femininity refers to extreme toxic personality traits that many women develop based on how females as a whole are treated. But why is everything... Why with toxic masculinity are we saying that this is a systemic problem that, that negatively impacts men? Why is that same grace not extended to women with toxic femininity? I know it's such a stupid question. Women are the problem. Oh. Always been the problem, actually. Since the beginning of time, do you remember Jenny? Six thousand years ago in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Six thousand. That's how old the universe is. Right. What about dinos? Oh no, that's a hoax. Oh. Scientists are playing a big joke. It's a long game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. I'm sorry I rabbit hold us, but that's very interesting. I think it's super important. That, like, you cannot... How many li- How many sites did you just look at? At least 20. I mean, I read the first line. You skimmed. I'm allowed to skim! Okay. What am I supposed to do? Like, in-depth research? That's your job. Well, okay. Here's the thing. The thing is this. I want to talk about what the definition of toxic masculinity is. So what do we mean when we say toxic masculinity? Well, I like this. Toxic masculinity is when the archetypal image of what it means to be masculine becomes harmful and aspirational. It thrives by penalizing behavior which does not conform to a standard and celebrating behavior which does. Well, I love that. I think that's great. I like this one. Toxic masculinity refers to the notion that some people's idea of manliness perpetuates domination homophobia but with that you can say homophobia white phobia and transphobia and aggression and then there's another one that uses the word constellation which i really like the constellation of socially regressive male traits that foster domination the devaluation of women homophobia biphobia and transphobia and wanton violence mm. I think wanton wanton can i just say off the record or on the record i'm no longer using the word seminal okay does it seem it yeah. Hmm. We use that as like a seminal work, like the most important work. And the second line of the definition, when you look in the OED, read it to me. Read it back to me. Tell me what it says. I'll tell you what it says. Seminal of a work, event, moment, or figure. Strongly influencing later developments. Number two, relating to or denoting semen. Gross. If there is a better... Ex- seminal fluid definition. No, no, you don't need the fluid. Just the sound. Behind the ears. Adjective. That's super grim. But can I just say? Please don't put your semen behind my ears. I mean, behind where else ears. is it going to go? <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Even in words like that, seminal as a word is a very powerful word because it talks about a foundational influence of later developments. We use words that correlate to a man's body, to a man's reproductive function. As foundational. We're not talking about like, her work was ovarian. You know? It was vulvan. <laughs> it was uterine. That meeting was vagine. <laughs> that meeting was vagine to the game. That's amazing. 
You know, women's body parts are shameful. Shameful. Talk about them. Okay, but I'm just saying. Um, So I think it's very interesting that you can find what toxic masculinity is very easily, but then toxic femininity is all about the feminist agenda. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. I want to know why little boys are super sweet and loving. I want to tell you that they're sad. I want to tell you that they're scared. I want to tell you that they love you. And then they grow up into men and they can't feel anything. They don't know how they feel about anything. Well, I know that my my brother-in-law and probably his mother and anyone in his life before... So his, when he comes to visit, if my kids cry, he says, we don't cry. We're big, we're big and we don't cry. There is something about culturally, there are cultures that don't, and, and even American culture, like we don't let little boys cry. Tell them, shake it off, get over it. Yeah. They can't wear pink, they can't wear dresses. When they're dressing up, Because it means something. It means something about you if you wear pink. It means something about you if you want to wear a sparkly bag. It means you're a girl. And to be a girl is to be less than. To be feminine is to be other, is to be less than. And then the things that are, so yes. And then the things that are acceptable are dressing up as these like hyper masculine men. Violent. Hulk. Thor. Yeah. Any of the Avengers or Marvel Universe. So I think that that's how it happens. We take little boys and we tell them that their emotions are not valid or desired. We tell them that if they're injured or feeling... Their emotions are not necessary for them to exist. What did I say? No, I just want to say that. That's what we tell them. But what words did I say? I can't remember. Valid, I think I said. Yeah, valid. Yes. Valid or necessary. Uh Uh-huh. We're told from a very young age not to... Not to be loud. Not to be loud. Not to be ambitious. Not not to be aggressive. Not to want too much. Emotions? I think we are. She's a girl. She's crying. That's what they do. That's what girls do. That's what girls do. She's upset. So our emotions define us, and when we enter the workplace, yeah, we're too emotional. Yeah, because men have been told as babies, yeah, don't show anything. No, you're not allowed to show emotion. So that, so we completely, so just at that level, of course, the corporate workplace, of course, adult life is yep. not going to work. You separate one sex from their emotions completely to the point where they're less than lacking, yep. worthless. Yeah. garbage if they show or feel emotion. emotion yep yep and then the other ones oh you've got all the emotions and therefore you're worthless because you have those emotions yeah if you could maybe not be so emotional you'd have more worth here's something i read in a great article from the atlantic about a book uh this was speaking to the psychologist michael reichart and he wrote a book called how to raise a boy so michael reichart specializes in boys and men and he's the founding director of the Center for the Study of Boys and Girls' Lives at the University of Pennsylvania. And in the article, Michael Reichardt talks about a line from a George Orwell story called Shooting an Elephant. And he says that men wear a mask and their face grows with it. And I think that's what we do to boys. We tell boys who are soft, who are nurturing, who are kind, who are gentle. Well, maybe maybe not gentle because kids have to learn gentleness. That's a, that's a learned behavior, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta learn gentle. And boys get told, you know, they get sort of, they get let off the hook because you say, well, they're a boy, they're not gonna be as gentle. And then they don't have to work on it. Whereas with girls, you say, no, no, you have to be gentle because you will bear children. You will be a nurturer, and nurturers are gentle. Even if you don't say that explicitly, there's an implicit vibe there. And so we say to boys, all of these things that you have in you, 
the anger, the sadness, the fear, the frustration, the huge wallow of anxiety, the things that they go through as they go through each stage of life. And we say, wear this mask. I know it doesn't fit yet, but it will fit soon. And every year, I know it's really sad because it's boys. It's I know. And keep doing what we tell you to do. And this mask will become not just you, but the mask will be how you think of yourself and you'll be completely cut off from who you are. Mm -hmm. So you'll only ever be topical. You'll only ever be the bro. You'll only ever be the frat guy, the whatever, you know, you'll be worried about keeping up with the other boys Mm -hmm. and having a big dick. And do you have enough pubic hair and is there semen behind your ears? Like I hope (laughs) for someone else's a close friend's ears. I have no idea. We had a commenter that commented something very toxically masculine on our site. Let me just... I oh, no, that was on another that. site, but it was just because we were conversing. Do you want to read that? And plus for this vasectomy thing, if you take the potency out of sex, sex, it's not pleasure. Like if you take the venom out of a cobra, what you got? A belt. <laughs> First of all, he's not vegan. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. Because <laughs> when you take the venom out of a cobra, you don't have a belt. You have a cobra with no venom. <laughs> you skipped some steps. Oh, my God. And, like, a manufacturing process, a tanning oh process. Oh, my God. When that comment came in, it made me so upset. Like, my hands were shaking. I was so mad. I wanted to come back in it, but it's... It's laughable. So this was the day I was flying out to Charlotte and I had like the day of from hell of like customs in Heathrow and then customs in Charlotte and my sweet... Just back Alicia has escaped the UK to visit yeah. Delta variant land. Well, but the UK is the same. And my sweet poor four-year-old boy just went along with the ride even though I <laughs> cried a lot and lost my shit several times. Eat, sleep, cry, repeat. <laughs> Um, that's a Tuesday. That's just me. The life of a woman. And I woke up at four that morning to get the plane. Mm. And I saw a really disturbing post under the feminist hashtag. And I jumped in with both feet because everybody replying was like, oh, I agree. It should, like, abortion should not. Don't put anti-abortion stuff under a feminist hashtag. So I commented and it went on for hours. Yes. And my last comment, my last cognizant comment before I jumped into the melee of, of uh, Heathrow was that if you really want to avoid and get rid of unwanted pregnancy and unintended pregnancy, then all men should have a vasectomy and because they're reversible. You get it reversed when you're ready to have a baby. And then that will completely cut instead of having to rely on um, birth control, which is at best 99% effect or 98% effective and at worst something in like the 50s mm-hmm. and then obviously relies on regular and constant access to contraception yeah like there's so many different things that are going on back there it requires a lot of a woman and somehow it's not a man's responsibility as well, I said that comprehensive sex education sex education or like birth control or and like all, the things. all of it all the things yeah and like not have contraceptive deserts where 19 million women in the US alone can't regularly access competent reproductive health care shutting down people that yeah. you know companies organizations that actually help women like hobby lobby that don't let their employees have contraceptive care under right. their health care so 
There's that too. There's a lot. Oh, it's a lot. Anyway, it's a spectrum. Easy fix. It's an easy fix. Or you can just get a vasectomy. Right. Which is reversible. And it takes like three minutes. But the belt, you know, at the end, it's a python. Then you got a belt in your pants. (laughs) It's ready to whip. I mean, I whip my belt back and forth. Funny. So I think that one of the things about toxic masculinity and conversation about toxic masculinity for me that makes me bristle the most is that there are so many women with internalized misogyny that they think that it's an attack on well I like a man, masculine man. That's fine. I like I like a man these boys nowadays with their tight pants and their emo and their wokeness, having a man that is aware of his feelings, that cares about others. That can emotional, that can regulate his emotions, that allows people to be themselves and feel feelings, that is not afraid to wear pink or purple. Having a man that's aware and respectful of other people and can feel emotion and is not afraid to cry doesn't make him any less of a man. And also someone who's not threatened by other people's sexual identities, gender, gender identities, sexual orientations. It doesn't really matter how people express themselves and how people identify that they know that that doesn't impact on their own masculinity. It doesn't. Do you know what I mean? So when I first started dating my husband, he told me, I don't know what love is. I don't have feelings. Mm, That's really sad. Which is funny. Because he's actually a really good dad. He's a great dad. And he's actually very, very much in touch with his feelings and his emotions. And he's a great dad to daughters and sons and he's good with allowing them to express their emotions in any way that they need to within reason and i mean i just feel like the toxic masculinity masculinity thing touches everyone but i feel like he's russian so in the russian culture in the hispanic culture i've seen it be very super toxic hispanic and latino i feel like in cultures that traditionally that that celebrate or value traditional gender roles traditional gender yes traditional gender so that's interesting right because that's the patriarchy that's 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 what you're talking about yeah and i feel like in those cultures i've seen some major toxic masculinity but also in like in american like in america we have a very toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. especially with kind of how divisive the rhetoric rhetoric is right now it's like doubling down on this type of behavior yep so, and then the anti-wokeness movement too is acting like to be aware and to be respectful and to be a compassionate human being emasculates you in some way. Yep. So just going back to this article, I'm going to put it in the show notes, obviously, because I think it's a really beautiful article. I, I really like Where's it from? the Atlantic and there's something just off the cuff, like, I think that if there's any men listening to this, there's something deeply sexy about a man who is in touch with his own emotions, who is confident without being aggressive, who is kind, caring, loving, and isn't afraid of of those parts of themselves. And I don't think that men know that. I think that they think that women see that as weakness. There's and maybe posturing. I And I think... When women talk to other women about partnerships and relationships, without fail, 
my experience of it has been that when a friend of mine or a colleague or whatever has a partner in a sit-set relationship, a male partner who is kind, is loving, is thoughtful, is nurturing, is sweet, like literally they can do no wrong because all women want that because it's a safe place to be. It's not a scary place. It's not a it's not an unequal place. It's a loving place. It's a respectful place, you know, and it's an emotionally aware place. So one of the things that Reichardt says, Michael Reichardt says is because we tell boys and men that they have to censor what they express. The only way that you can convince yourself to do that is to tell yourself that you're not really feeling what you're feeling, Mm -hmm. which then means you become numb and detached. So super stoic. So with my son, I try to always say, although sometimes I get caught up in the moment and I have to get back to it. What are you feeling right now? Is it sadness? Is it anger? Is it anxiety? Is it those things? And he can reach down and he always knows what he's feeling. It's, you know, it's always something. It's not like if I speak to my partner, he says, I don't know what I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm upset. Mm -hmm. I'm angry. But what's underneath the anger? Yeah. Because anger is the knee jerk. Anger is the shit. I'm feeling something. So I'm going to flip into anger. Right. We'll just feel like overwhelmed can make you feel. Yeah. Or being afraid. I get angry when I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. If someone, that's why I don't go to ghost houses, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) I get angry. Someone comes out with a chainsaw. I'm not scared. I'm angry. (laughs) Yeah. And your chainsaw. Fred. Fuck Fred. So the article that I have has top 10 masculine, toxic masculinity behaviors. Do you want oh, to go through that? I do. I would love that. Let's hear it. And I also want to talk about like how this affects you, impacts you in the workplace and how you can be aware of it, but then also, I don't know how you combat it. But anyway, so let's go through these first. Okay. So the first one is being stoic, which we just talked about. Yeah. Men are constantly given the message that they must be self-reliant, independent, physically tough, etc. Men are told that to be this way will make them successful in terms of business society and finding a partner. Being vulnerable will cause men to be ridiculed. Okay. You want to go to number two? I mean, we just talked about this stuff. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's good. I'm just, I'm processing. But okay. yeah, okay, go. The second one is interesting. So being promiscuous. Typically, men will be praised by other men for sexual conquests. There is a well-known double standard regarding the perceptions of male versus female promiscuity with men being praised by their peers and called studs while rejecting women who have multiple partners. So I don't necessarily think that it's bad for men to be sexually confident because women need that too. Yeah, agree. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with expressing yourself sexually like when you want to. Because pretty soon, then shit's going to stop. So I know. Long, you can. Oh, my God. I don't think being promiscuous is a toxic masculinity behavior. And I think that the word promiscuous is like very much. I think it's when you're talking about body count objectifying i had her she was mine but that's, that's there's a lot of layers to that yeah like, like huge layers i think that saying that someone is promiscuous is very judgmental oh, yeah. not anyone's fucking business like yeah. people do like people can bounce off each other all they want doesn't matter but right what you're saying okay so the third one is chap- championing heterosexuality as the unalterable norm i don't even need to read the description of this one because yes yeah that's super toxic and it's not the norm. It's just what's accepted. When we actually... Well, this is championing heterosexuality as the unalterable norm. Heteropatriarchal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cis, het, white, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, being violent. So the 
Yeah. Statistically, Aggression. Women, significantly yeah. more violent crime than women. Because they have no outlet. There what are numerous reasons for this, but there are clear links between male instigated violence and the need men have to use aggression and violence to prove their masculinity and bolster confidence in their masculine identity. I don't love that the way that's whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can understand what it's saying. Look, there's parallels to parenting. You can absolutely spank the fucking ever-loving Jesus out your kid, and they will, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, do what you want them to do. But the hard work is when you don't hit. Well, and it encourages violence. Absolutely. It instills fear. So, so if you're losing an argument, what are you going to do? If you feel like you don't have the power in a situation, what are you going to do? What's the easiest thing you can do? You fall back on your aggressive training. We give boys violent toys. We let them play violent games. We encourage their violent behavior. They have fights with their friends. Oh, it's just boys being boys. Yeah, but we teach them that that's how they resolve. That's it. how you resolve Rather it. Rather than using their words. A boy hit me. Yeah, a boy hit me on the playground. Hit him back. Hit him back. Don't try and talk it out. Don't come here and let me be a safe space. Don't let me try and protect you from that. I've said to the girl, stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself is not, I'm not a safe space for you. Stand up for yourself is, I need you to go out there and use your voice and tell people that what you have to say is important and they, you can't be treated badly. But also, I'm still a safe space for you to come back and tell me these things. Mm-hmm. Not go and deal right. with it and don't come back until right, it's right, done. Right. Uh, being dominant. Mm. To be preoccupied with power and dominance to the point it causes harm to others, such as verbal, physical, and online bullying. Who's the boss? My, my son asks me this all the time. Where did it come from? I know. My partner made a joke about it in the house a year ago, six months ago. I'm the boss. And now we have to deal with the constant conversation about every situation. Mama, who's the boss? It's not you, buddy. It's never you. Sorry. You're four. But I don't want to have to be the kind of person that says, I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. You know? But that is a very traditionally masculine thing. Destiny has a really good... Yeah, she does. Mm -hmm. Because she says... They know you're the boss. Mm-hmm. You don't have to prove it every day. Mm-hmm. They know without you saying it. So don't say, I'm the parent. I make the decisions. She's amazing, by the she's way. She's wonderful. So Everyone should follow her. On Instagram. Oh and she's, she's so fantastic. freaking cute as she's well. She's so cute. God. Absolutely beautiful. So smart. Mm. Really fucking funny. That's so cute. So cute. Sexual aggression towards women. There it is. Well, but I want to read this one, actually. Men who conform to toxic masculinity standards are more likely to make sexual comments or sexist jokes to women, commit mm. sexual harassment, accept rape myths, mm. and behave as though they're entitled to women's bodies. Incel. Incel. Incel is involuntarily celibate. Yeah. Well, I'm entitled to it. It's not my choice to be celibate. I'm entitled to their bodies. They're withholding their bodies from me. Is that what that means? Why am I so dumb? You're not dumb. You just haven't watched any incel videos. Yeah. I haven't. Okay. And I will not. <clears throat> not displaying emotion. That's kind of the stoic thing. Not being a feminist ally, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Risk taking. No. Can I just say, though, from a, from a scientific perspective, when you give high levels of testosterone to a rat in a, laborator- in a, in a laboratory environment. Laboratorium. <laughs> Come to my rat laboratorium. They have increased risk taking to the point where they make dangerous decisions where they make decisions that increase their mortality rate connected to male dominance toxic masculinity encourages taking risks to demonstrate dominance men who buy into this are more likely to take extreme measures such as perpetuating violence yeah. oh perpetrating violence mm. driving dangerously gambling abusing drugs 
Okay, so the last one is not engaging in household chores and caregiving. So like seeing your wife as the primary caregiver, seeing the woman in the house as the primary caregiver, and you um, mm-hmm. don't need to take a role in that. Yes. So how do you feel like all of this impacts women in the workplace? We know that it impacts women in the workplace hugely. Yes. We know that because we know that when manager that presents male and a manager that presents female speak at the same volume and at length for the same time, the manager that presents as male is always deemed to be more acceptable, more likable than the manager that presents as female. Okay, so we know that. We also know that the stereotypically feminine traits of being more communicative, um, having an emotional awareness and an emotional intelligence is a, is what's known as a soft skill. So up until now, it's not really been valued because it wasn't a hard skill. It wasn't like, I know how to use these programs. I've been to this university. I have this training. Da, 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 da. That soft skill is something that you only see once you get into the corporate environment and it isn't always respected. Mm-hmm. But with all of the um, management research that has been done in the last few years, the last few, like five, 10 years, we're recognizing that those soft skills are hugely important. They make up, I mean, when you look at the, the list of like key traits for a leader, let's look at it. Integrity, accountability, empathy, mm-hmm. humility, resilience, vision, influence, positivity. Those are not things that scream man to me. They don't scream, like all of them don't scream woman. This is a bigger conversation about the gender binary as being super, super limiting. And I know that we talked about that yet. Well, we have because we talked about it briefly in the, um, what it means to be a woman. But we've not spoken about that for a full episode. No, we haven't. Mm -hmm. Because I think we probably need to be led because this isn't our experience and it isn't our our safe space and it isn't our lived reality, right? What's that? Being non-binary. Right. But these are the soft skills that we're talking about that make good decisions as a leader. They're self-aware. They prioritize personal development. That sounds like a woman to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they focus on developing others. That sounds like a woman to me. They encourage strategic thinking, innovation, and action. That sounds like, a, to me, that sounds like a woman because I recognize a, us in that. Mm-hmm. They're ethical and civic, civic-minded. Yeah. They practice effective cross-cultural communication. Mm-hmm. We're talking about soft skills as a leadership thing, as a management thing that is very strong in all of the, the, the skills that we didn't value before. Right. Well, so that's, I just read, I I read an article recently about how, like, I mean, this was pre-pandemic, so I'm not sure where we are with this now, Mm. that the skills that will be most important in the future are going to be the soft skills because everything else in the era of the machine, like everything else is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Someone else can do that. But I don't believe that Mm. because it's not happening. And if you look up like how to deal with toxic masculinity. If you look up how to get far in your workplace as a woman, you'll get a lot of fucking bad advice. Yeah, I know. That's really what, bad advice. That's why we wrote this book. So there's a Forbes article called The Bitching Point. And it talks about how women are labeled as bitches and they're marginalized in their whatever. Yep. In their careers. Well, And their like final paragraph, like the advice they give. No. You ready? No. Hold on to your butts. What movie is that from? It's from Jurassic Park. Samuel L. Jackson. To combat this perception among male colleagues being a bitch, his advice is to focus on tone. As in, when mm. men take a tough position. You're tone policing me? Well done. No thanks. When men take a tough position, they employ a tough tone in order to be credible. Mm. When women take a tough position, you ready, Lise? When women take a tough position, it's best to take a soft tone. 
This doesn't mean the absence of strength or assertiveness, but rather a quiet, firm confidence. I can say just sitting across from me, Hold that on. was really creepy. The minute a woman uses an aggressive tone. Oh, no. The minute a woman uses an aggressive tone, mm-hmm. men will use it to marginalize you. Oh. To make you appear emotional. They'll do that anyway. To make you appear emotional. They'll do that anyway. Or more importantly, to, discredit to keep you. you from getting what you want. I know. That's the fucking advice of this fucking Forbes article. It is 10 years ago. Oh. 2011? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Shit hasn't changed. No. Here's the thing. I've been told many times, we've talked about this many times, uh, that I'm too intense. You're too much. I'm whatever. All this bullshit. And here's the thing. Yeah. We've kind of, up until this point, we've kind of skirted the line of like really telling our listeners to like go for it. Don't you think? Yeah. We tried to be really careful. 100%. And that's bullshit. Be an advocate for yourself. Yeah. Because you are your only ally in the workforce. Agree. Lisa, so I've taken a huge step back and I'm just doing consulting stuff, which is slowly becoming what I'm doing. We're doing this book, we're, we're doing this work, and we're working to build a community of people and hopefully like make this our profession because yeah. we are passionate about helping women because all of this bullshit, we're so sick and tired of the lies. Agree. And Lisa is still kind of murking around in the traditional workforce Murk. for a moment. But you have experienced, in the past year, you've experienced the largest gains in your career for what you want because you have gone out there and you have, you, you've been yourself unapologetically yourself. You took that training course and you said, I can't do the end of class because it doesn't work for me. Yeah. And they were like, okay. Yeah. Now traditionally I would have looked at a class like that and been like, I can't take it because at 430 I have to pick up my child and I can't do it. But you demanded that. Yeah. Well, I had to take the class. But there was nothing. But there's nothing. Yes. You demanded that for yourself and it worked out. Mm. Now, nine times out of ten, it won't work out. Mm-hmm. But it worked out for you. Yeah, and not- the worst that can happen, the only way that you can assure that the answer is no is to not ask. Yeah. But also, you are potentially looking for a different place of employment. Yeah. And you laid that shit out with a new, with a potential new employer. Yeah. And they accepted everything you said. Yep. And you negotiated a salary and negotiated perks and negotiate. You're in yep. the middle of negotiating things. Well, whatever. Yep. The things. And you're being unapologetically yourself and asking for exactly what you want. Yep. And here's the thing: if they say we can't do that, then you can say fuck off. I'm good. Yeah, I can. But I'm happy to do that. And I've never been in a position like that before. And That's you know, a super empowering place to be, and it's not a place I've ever been in my 23 year career. No, in my 23-year career, I have never been in a place where I would have asked for any of this stuff and been comfortable with it. Okay, you were comfortable with it, but you were always the same person. Yeah. And you were always in a position to ask for this stuff. But yeah. we are programmed yep. to just take it and be grateful, mm-hmm. and men are taught to negotiate. Never take the first offer. I mean, that's the rule, right? Yeah. I've never negotiated. I've offhandedly been like, okay. You're not telling, you're asking. And I think that's the thing. And that'll be another episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to be negotiating your salary thing. Don't ask, you tell. This is what I need to have. If I don't get it, I will walk. 100%. And that's fucking badass and awesome. And it's scary as shit. Yeah. But you said something to me earlier today, and I don't remember what you were talking about because I 
tune you out most of the time. Fair <laughs> Same. <laughs> you yeah. said that in a lot of articles that you saw or posts or whatever about negotiating a seller, they said, don't bring in. Yes. Your, your personal life. Yes. Can you just. There's nothing more personal than the work-life balance that you need to maintain. And yet every single article, every single reel, every single post from corporate-minded women, management people who are trying to help women onto greater things. They say, when you try to negotiate a raise, don't bring your family into it. And I have found very recently, very recently that I said... My family means this to me. I'm not being a good mother because my work life is taking over my personal life and I can't have that. So I'm going to walk away unless you can make some changes to how this is going to happen. And that's allowed. And that's None allowed. Of that's a and that's allowed. But that's a, that's a conversation no, for another we'll, time. We'll get back to that. But what I want to say as we like send you off, you're going to experience toxic masculinity and there's no reasoning with it. And if you're a parent, and you're raising a child who presents as masculine, was assigned male at birth. Or not. AFAB can also be... But, but I know you're saying, go ahead. But if you want to really support that child... I mean, this is a common rule. If Whatever you're saying to your girl, you're saying to your boy. How do you feel today? What does it feel like to be you right now? What can you feel? Tell me what you're feeling. Let's talk about feelings. I can't think of anything more sad than my son, who I love so much, not being in a place to be able to tell me that he's scared. Mm -hmm. And I never want that to happen. You just tell me you're scared, bud, and we'll work through it. We'll talk about why you're scared. And there has been generation after generation of little boys who grew up into men who couldn't say that they were scared and who couldn't say that they were lonely and missed their mamas and wanted a cuddle and wanted a kiss and were worried and were anxious and just needed a hug and just needed to be held. Yeah. And that's a really sad thing. And those men are out there hurting other women. They're out there hurting other men and they're out there hurting themselves. We haven't talked about how to deal with it in the workplace. I think maybe we need a part two. All right. So we're going to cut this thing off and we appreciate you all so much for listening. We've got such a great core group of subscribers and we appreciate you all so much for showing up for us every week. Um, We have an amazing group of followers on Instagram who is super engaged. So we thank you all for your continued support. We've got some big things coming this year. Lisa and I are finally together in the same room, which is such a hard year not being able to be together a year and a half. No, so we are yeah, together. We, got, we are working on expanding this and working on building a community for all of you. And we really appreciate it. And we're so thankful for all of you. And as you go forward into your work week, we just wish you strength and the ability to be yourself because we're finding that that is what is going to help you get the furthest if you're in the right place for you. So if you're in a workplace that is not working for you. Take a step back to an episode a few weeks ago that was called When to Call It. Yes. Quit your job and start. Anyway, we should just give a heads up. We go to 20 every series. So we've got two more and then we have a break. But we just want to say we love you. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at at Dear Patriarchy Pod. Um, Patriarchy underscore pod at Twitter. Email us with your thoughts hopes, desires, dreams at patriarchypod at gmail.com and as always, love, light, good night!